Welcome to today's energy podcast brought to you by Market Scale. I'm Sean Heath, and today I get to have a conversation with Nolan Hill, the co-founder and CEO for Highland West Energy. Nolan, how are you today, my friend? I'm good, Sean. How are you doing? I'm doing extremely well. Thank you for asking. The sun's finally shining down here in Dallas, and it might actually warm up a little bit. So I'm pretty excited about that. But then again, you're probably a guy who's always excited when you get a chance to see the sun too. Am I right? It's very true. And I'm in Idaho. And so we take any sun we get can get, at least in the wintertime, we're, we're glad to have it. So, And that's on a personal basis. I want to get to the professional interest you have in the sun, if we could. But before we do that, kind of tell me how you wound up. I mean, how'd you come up with the idea to found an energy company? That seems pretty ambitious. Yeah, so uh, the the short version of that very long answer is I grew up in a uh, mechanically-based family. So my father founded a mechanical contracting firm where he did commercial plumbing, heating, HVAC, medical gas for large commercial projects. Um, And about six years ago, he came to me, and I had nothing to do with the energy space at all. I was actually in marketing. He came to me and said, hey, I've come across this really cool concept that allows people to create hot water and electricity from one gas source. So uh, he said, do you want to jump on that? And after some convincing and whatnot, we decided to create Highland West Energy, which focuses on high efficiency use of fuel sources like natural gas, biogas, woody pellet, biomass. I mean, anything that we can do that we can burn to create electricity and heating and cooling from one central source versus buying it from multiple sources. Okay. So uh, there's so many questions that just popped into my head. Curse you, Nolan Hill, for making me think. <laughs> um, all right. So I know I know that you're and, – and you said a word there that I know a lot of people would see as a contradiction. You said the word burn. And you're a member of the Idaho Clean Energy Association. You're a steering committee uh, member for the Clean Energy Business Network. Explain to me the fact that it is a logically true and honest statement to say burning natural gas, burning these wood pellets, that it is actually clean. Explain that to me, please, so so nobody has any misunderstandings because it's a true and honest statement. It is. So let's step back just a little bit. Let's go bigger scale to how utilities work. And that will help to answer that question for you. So when you buy power from your local utility, you actually are paying for a tremendous amount of waste. In fact, you're paying for about 65% of energy wasted when you buy from the utility. That's buying electricity. And the reason is is that when when a utility burns coal or natural gas or even produces with renewable sources such as uh, solar or wind or whatever, by the time they go through their process of distribution, transmission line loss, and get it to your doorstep, they've lost 65% of the value of that energy. And so we look at things from what is efficient regardless of the source. The more efficient you can do something, the less money it costs the consumer and the less money it – because it costs me less money to produce it, Right. So in the case of natural gas, we take natural gas, every building, every home, um, anything we look at pretty much anymore, not like at least in the United States, but North America, even European countries, many of the first world developed countries are using some type of fuel source already to create heat or cooling. 
And that's kind of a given. We all know that. We're utilizing that source anyway. What we're doing is we're saying, hey, you're only getting one output out of that fuel source. You're putting in, let's say, natural gas to provide heating for your home as, as well as um, hot water. Well, that's a lot of energy that we can still utilize. So why not use that same fuel source now and let's go ahead and create hot, uh, electricity from it. And when you run a generator that's using a fuel source or burning a fuel source, you create heat as a natural byproduct. Let's capture that heat and let's utilize that to now provide the consumer with what they were already paying for anyway. So we're getting a two for one out of it. And so that goes back to your question, Sean, is how is that good? Well, it's good because now I can use that same fuel source and get to an 85% efficiency and give you what you need as a consumer versus buying from the utility at a 45% efficiency. And just by that natural law, we have reduced our consumptions dr drastically to give you, the consumer, what you already need. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And okay, so let me talk briefly just about, uh, now you've explained the efficiency of that and, and the closer you get to prime efficiency, obviously 100% would be the unicorn, right? Mm -hmm. But yes. there are other byproducts that come from burning natural gas, for example, that can then be used productively. So that technically, even though if you're not extracting all the energy in in kilowatt form, but a byproduct of, let's say, water. Water vapor is a byproduct, right, of combustion. Yep. So yep. then you can repurpose that water. You can collect that. So you're actually gaining even more. But do you factor that positive byproduct into the efficiency equation when you're trying to do the math? Absolutely. Because everything that we're looking at is how efficient can we use the resources that we have for an on-site purpose. And there are a lot of applications because that water, even, even collecting that water application, it's an amazing thing. But you think, okay, how do I get cooling from heat or how do I even get clean water from heat? There's all sorts of applications we can take from that. And we can utilize that with today's technologies and try to package these opportunities and give as much to the consumers as we possibly can. And in fact, I'll, I'll add one more to that. Um, because one of the things that we've, we've experienced in our industry as we've grown with it is that people are somewhat skeptical saying, wait a minute, you know, you're burning a fuel to give me what I want. Why shouldn't I just go to the sun or why shouldn't I go to the wind for those items? And there's nothing wrong with that. We love renewables and we love to work with them, but it's again a matter of demand and efficiency. Um, and these systems, combined heat and power, are so efficient that even the EPA stands behind it now. And the EPA, you can go to epa.gov forward slash CHP, and they've got a whole wealth of information about how the Environmental Protection Agency is 100% pushing these products because it's not considered renewable, it's considered alternative. And it's still cleaner and more efficient and better than what we can provide in other resources. The other reason why the EPA pushes this along with renewable energy sources is because of its consistency. One of the challenges that the renewable space has in meeting consumer demand is time of day and weather, right? You only get the sun to shine so much and then you have to find other sources to get your energy. 
you only get the wind to blow so much and then you have to find other sources to get your energy. So when we look at, again, that efficiency scale and all of the packaging that we can get from one central unit and a small central unit that produces consistently, now we also start to um, reduce what uh, variations come on utility grid. Because if I can go to a customer and say, hey, I can give you 25 kilowatts of electricity every hour of every day for 10 years. It now allows you as the consumer to calculate in and say, hey, if we can regulate our spends, we know how to put that spends in other areas and how to utilize that. And so there's there's so many facets to it of it's not just the energy side, but there's also a financial gain and a financial benefit that I consider efficiency as well that we can tap into that really makes the technology uh, and the opportunity pretty limitless. Okay, now the the science nerd in me is kicking in, so I have a question. And and this may not be something that you've even thought about, but if anybody I know knows the answer, it would probably be you. What's the time frame on the creation of natural gas versus coal? I know that's a ridiculous question, but I'm really hoping you have the answer to that. <laughs> or at least it's I'd... something you've thought about. Yeah. You know, we haven't gone into that much detail with it. Um, I, I honestly couldn't answer that for you. And it's a really good question. Now you've got me thinking I need to go and find that answer. I've never honestly looked into the difference of, of time creation between natural gas and with coal. Um, outside of I know that the environmental benefits of utilizing natural gas versus coal is tremendous. It's just so clean and so much more efficient. Um, so I can only answer to what I, I can output, not on the what do we uh, what it takes to get it. So we talk about natural gas. Methane counts as a natural gas, right? Yes. And you can burn methane. Is it is it efficient to burn methane? It is. Uh, there there has to be some chemical composition changes that come to it, but it's a really good question. We're actually working with a municipality right now in the state of Montana. And we are installing a biogas combined heat and power unit. Uh, the reasoning behind that is, is that, you know, at a, they're at a wastewater treatment plant and wastewater has methane. It's a natural byproduct of, of what we're producing. Um, and they're collecting that and they've just been burning it. They've been basically flaring it because they've had nowhere to put it. So we've worked with them on how to take that gas that is natural for what they're doing at their facility and then we do a small injection of natural gas with it to get it to the right efficiency of burn not a ton just enough to make it so that it burns efficiently and then that is collected and then that will be running their combined heat and power unit so essentially they're producing electricity for pennies 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 on the dollar uh, because of that collection of methane that they're getting as a natural byproduct. The reason that methane question comes up is I was thinking back to the time question previously about the production of natural gas. And um, I think a cow produces methane pretty quickly. So yes. I was just, the only reason that popped into my head, I thought, oh, I wonder if we could, I'm sure somebody, much people, many people smarter than me, which the list is extremely long, have thought, hey, we've got all these cows are making this methane. Perhaps we could burn that. Let me ask you another question. So, is is the byproduct of water vapor from the burning of natural gases, is it enough that it could be collected and say, let's say we went to a planet, I don't know, Mars, hypothetically speaking, 
and there's some methane there. I don't know why, but there is. Is that something that could conceivably, from a scientific standpoint, you could say, oh, look, here's some methane. Hey, we can make water. Is there is there enough of a water production or is it outs, is it such a small percentage of an overall volume? For example, a liter of natural gas, that's not even a is that the liters of volume? Yeah. So a liter of natural gas makes one ounce of water. Hypothetically, I don't know. Is is that something where you would have to scale so large to be able to get enough usable water that it's almost a zero, like it's just not worth it? Yeah, that would that would get to an efficiency point. There there isn't enough production from that combustion side of it to really do anything with it, at least on a large scale, right? Uh, the advantage that we have on the combined heat and power side is that we're really capturing the heat and reutilizing that to then provide heat or heat existing water sources. Um, can't say that it wouldn't be completely impossible because I think as you and I both know, there's nothing really ever is impossible with time and resource. Uh, and so, but as of right now, I can't see it being a viable financially economical resource to do something and collection of the the water from the production of energy. My grandfather always said when I was a kid that the only things that are impossible are stuff we haven't done yet. Mm -hmm. And so now that I've taken us to outer space, let me actually bring us back to Earth. I want to talk about the trends that you see in the actual real world industry, not in my imaginary sci-fi industry, but CHP is something you deal with. It's actually becoming much more I don't want to say normal, but um, people are starting to understand it. You know, it's becoming more acceptable. And so tell me a little bit about some of the trends that you see moving forward. So I, I see a push for it, for sure. It's trended uh, considerably in the last five years. Um, a lot of that has to do with um, just the influx and, and availability that we have at least in north america on natural gas that's made a huge difference it's dropped rates natural gas rates which it's allowed us so that people are looking at the alternative resource of hey i can get good clean energy with byproducts that i can utilize for a very cheap price uh the other thing that's trending and, and causing it to become more familiar to people is the increase of utility uh, per kilowatt pricing. So people are looking for other avenues to control that. Um, and then the third aspect is reliability. Uh, you know, it's not uncommon for more commercial facilities, uh, facilities that run 24 seven data centers, hospitals, hotels, recreation facilities to create a safe haven where they're putting in backup power and combined heat and power fits really well into that niche because now you don't have to put in a backup generator that just sits there waiting to run you actually can put in a combined heat and power unit that runs all the time and when the grid goes down hey guess what as long as you have a fuel source whether it's propane or natural gas or biomass or methane you can continue to run that engine and you can store those types of fuels very easily um so i'm seeing those trends starting to become more active and I will add to it as well is that this technology is not new. It's actually been around in Europe really solid for the last 30 years. Um, but the efficiencies of it and and being able to bring the cost down, uh, costs have dropped, which have created more of a market understanding of like, hey, there's some financial viability behind this. It's not so expensive that it's out of reach 
it actually is starting to make sense from a consumer standpoint. So price really becomes the the pain point, right? Mm-hmm. For for investors and for, and for for governments and just people in general, that price really becomes the it becomes the determining factor. But let me ask you this: as someone who works in energy, do you ever have times where you just say, "Oh my gosh, I know it's expensive now, but if we would all just take a moment and look at the logic." and commit to this, the price will come down. That's just the, as more people use it, the price comes down. That's the way the market works. Do you ever have moments where you just want to ball your fists up and scream at the sky? Just listen to me. Absolutely. (laughs) There's many times when I'm doing a qualification analysis, I'll be working on something to determine uh, the financial viability for a customer. Um, And they'll look at it and say, well, it has a five and a half year return on investment. And I was hoping for something less. Um, And I'll look at it and say, yes, but look at the wasted spend if you don't go this route, right? Uh, You're going to be buying natural gas anyway. You're going to spend that dollar whether I'm involved with you or not. Why not invest in this and create the opportunity? Because now not only are you you're you're not wasting your spend like you were before, but now you're actually creating exactly what you just mentioned, Sean, which is it, it just it, it generates that much more interest and, and people start to realize there's there's not only financial savings, but there are, there's envi- environmental savings and benefits with it. And there's just so many facets that go into it. So there's many times that I kind of go, wow, you just let that one little number of five years and it didn't meet your exact mark kind of throw everything else out. And I usually well, I, not usually. There's been many times when I'll say, well, tell me what your alternatives are to get that same type of return. And nine times out of 10, I can rarely get them to answer back to me on that. That's usually when I'm in a mood of, I'm like, I'm being a little bit on the sassy side. <laughs> hey, you know what? Sometimes that's what it takes. A yeah. salmon. Uh, what was the, oh, there was a book I read and I believe sometimes it takes a salmon upside the head to get people to realize what a good idea is. I, I may be mixing mm-hmm. metaphors or books, who knows? Uh, let me ask you this question, uh, finally. So as someone who is really well-versed in energy and in natural gas, I have to tell you this. So I went to high school a uh, long time ago, um, mid eighties. And one of the kids that I went to high school with had a truck that his dad had retrofitted and it ran on natural gas. So let me ask you this question. Have you, as of today, ever owned a car that would run on natural gas? I have not, no. But now you're thinking about it, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, will, I will take that one step further for you, though. Um, my wife and I are actually preparing to build a new home. And I'm, I'm taking this home to what I consider the energy efficiency level that I believe a home should be by utilizing and putting one of these combined heat and power units in. And they're not really designed for homes yet. They're still larger on end. But my viewpoint goes to this is, look, I live in Idaho and snow is just a natural part of it and I'm tired of shoveling snow. So why not utilize the gas that I'm already going to spend anyway and the natural byproduct is heat and I'm going to heat my driveway, I'm going to heat my sidewalks, I'm not going to have to worry about anything with that. I'm going to provide all the hot water for my home. I'm going to provide all the heating for my home. And I'm going to provide the cooling for my home, all as a natural byproduct from the electricity that I'm producing. 
And then whatever excess electricity that I'm producing, I'm going to give back to the grid on a net metering end. Now, that works really well with utilities, typically, because I can tell them I will give you X percent of kilowatt hours every hour. I know that math. Whereas there's no, we don't have to work with variables anymore. So now I can say to the utility, hey, I know what I'm going to give you back. And that's what they want. Utilities, in the end, it's their business is about controlling energy, not about producing it. It's about controlling it because they have to determine who gets what where based upon demand. Well, if they know they can get consistently from me, that's helping them to reduce their costs. And at the same time, it allows me to utilize the fuel sources that I'm already going to use anyway more efficiently. Now, on the other side of that, yes, I would love to have a natural gas vehicle. In fact, I just bought a vehicle and I was heavily on the hybrid side. The only thing that restricted me at that point was just the cost difference in the end, which it comes down to the same thing you just mentioned, which is if we all just do it, it would bring those costs down. So now I'm thinking I should go take my car back, Sean. Thanks. Oh, no. <laughs> sorry. Well, I was just getting ready to say I'm looking forward to seeing you on the cover of Architectural Digest. You'll be standing there with a, you know, like a pipe and some sort of smoking jacket looking very distinguished standing in your living room of your <laughs> Your, of your fantastic new home. So you know what? I'll be looking forward to that issue. I'll be checking the newsstands to, to see that issue. And I want to really thank you for taking the time today. I really appreciate you investing that kind of energy in this interview. It's really, it's been very cool. Today, I've been speaking with Nolan Hill, the co-founder and CEO for Highland West Energy. Nolan, thank you so much again for taking time for this. You're welcome. Thanks for your time, Sean. I appreciate it. I hope you have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again. Stay warm, my friend. Thanks. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.